Please sit down. You have done. That's all right. I'm going to read from Exodus 20, which you may know quite well, or some of you will know quite well. God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honour your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. You shall not cover your, covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbour. Now we're going to begin a series today on the Ten Commandments, so we're going to look at one at a time. Um, I'm quite glad actually that we're not doing uh, Honour Your Father and Mother this morning, because my mum and dad are here, and that could have proved quite awkward. Um, But we're going to begin the series right at the beginning, which makes most sense, doesn't it? Um, On the first, the foundation, the one from which all the others flow. Deuteronomy 6 verse 6 to 7 says, Never forget these commands that I am giving you. Teach them to your children. He says, Remember and teach them. Why did God give us these Ten Commandments? Well, he gave them not to hurt us, but to help us. People tend to think um, very often that the Ten Commandments are negative. You shan't do this, you shall not do that. It's not entirely true if you read them. Some of them do say you shall not. But... God didn't give us them to hurt us, but to help us. He didn't give them to us to hamper us, but to release us. He didn't even give them to us to punish us, but to protect us. Now just think about it. When we say to a child, don't touch that hot stove, are we doing it for their good or for our good? We're doing it to protect them, to help them. Because if they touch that stove, they're going to get hurt. It's going to make them cry. So when God says don't do something, it's for our good in the same way. It's always for a positive purpose. The negatives that God gives are for us as individuals, but they're also for our society. If we ignore them, they are to our own hurt. And we see that around us in our society. Because people don't keep these, we're in a mess. And only this week, really, if you think there's one commandment that says, um, I forgot what it says now, do not bear false witness, or basically don't lie. We're in the mess we are in because of politicians from all sides, both sides of the Brexit debate. We don't trust them, we don't believe them, because 
we think they tell lies. We've seen it in the past. And we get ourselves into a mess when we aren't truthful. When our politicians aren't people of integrity. And I do say on both sides, all over, we simply don't trust them and they do tell lies and we get ourselves in a mess. God has lined up the universe by universal laws. There are certain physical laws that the universe operates by the, just like the law of gravity. If we ignore it, we only hurt ourselves. If we jump out of a ten-story window, we don't break God's law, they break us. And there are spiritual laws, and here we have spiritual laws, the Ten Commandments, not optional. If we don't keep them, we're going to mess up. We do need to know what's right and wrong. And so today we're going to begin looking at these Ten Commandments and looking at the foundation for society, the very first command. It's there, it's not haphazard, it's there at the beginning, it's not by accident. God intentionally put it first because it's the most important one. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. In other words, put God first in our life and in our society. God says, I'm to be first. I'm to be your top priority. And he deserves to be number one in our life because he created us, he made us. If he hadn't created us, we wouldn't even be here. Everything we have in life is from God because he's given it to us. He's allowed us to have it. But what does it really mean to have no other gods before me? Well, we have to ask ourselves, what is a God? A God is anything that dominates our life. Anything that controls our life. It could be our career, that we put that first. That's the most important thing in our life. It could be sport. And I have to think of myself with sport. How important it is to me. Even the good things that God has created for us to enjoy can become God's when we give them first place in our life. And God says, no, I am to be first in your life. This is the foundation to put God first. And it is a good reason why society is crumbling because it's built on the wrong foundation. It's built on the wrong foundation. It's not built on what God says. So how do we put God first? Let's hope this is going to work. Yes, it's on. Oh, it's up there. There we are. The foundation. So we're going to look at uh, what does it mean to put God first? Well, we put God first in our finances. If you've got the notes in front of you, um, you will see down the side that it goes F-I-R-S-T, which spells first. So it comes quite handily that we put finances as the first way of putting God first because it is actually one of the most difficult ones for so many people, if not all of us. Proverbs 3, verse 9 to 10 says, Honour the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income and he will fill your barns to overflow. God says, give him the first part back. Give him your finances and then he will look after the rest. And in a way, God is saying that money is the number one test of our priorities. We spend most of our lives trying to earn it. And if we look at our bank account, it shows what's really important to us. Not what we say is important, but how we spend our money. Deuteronomy 14, verse 23 says, The purpose of tithing is to teach you to put God first in your life. What's tithing? The first 10% goes back to him. Why 10%? That's what he said. And it teaches us to put 
God first in our lives. And financially in this country, the situation, well, we don't know what it's like really. Who knows? And what is it going to be like in the future? Times are difficult, particularly for some. Our job security is not what it once was. We may be worried about our job. We may be worried about our bank account. Our bank account. I don't know any clearer, simple advice to give you that if you're in a financial mess right now, the first step to get out of it is to put God first in your finances. And if you are in a mess, there are things like Christians Against Poverty that can help you there. But God says, put me first in your finances. That's the first thing. The most difficult one for all of us is our finances. We like to keep it for ourselves. Because there's no, put it first. Put, put me first in your finances. And see what I will do with your finances. The second one is your interests, your hobbies. If God's really going to be number one, we put him first in our interests. That means in our fun times, our play times, our amusements, our recreation, our hobbies, what we do when we're not at work and whatever else we're doing. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 says, Whatever you do, do it all for God's glory. And that includes everything. Yes, when we go on holiday, still put God first. When we're eating, when we're playing sport or whatever we're doing, we can collect stamps to the glory of God. How do we do that? In everything we do, we have to do it with an attitude of gratitude. Now, if we're out, if we're just out playing sport, and I, I say sport because I know that's for me. You know, I love watching sport, playing sport. Now, you can say, Lord, thank you that you give me arms and legs that I can play sport. You've given me hand-eye coordination that I wouldn't have if it weren't for you. Whatever we're doing, we can do it to the glory of God in our hobbies. Put, have an attitude of gratitude that puts God first in that area. Whatever we're doing. And actually you can tell what your priorities are by seeing what people get excited about. And uh, this is about myself. Um, my two boys and I, we've got a WhatsApp app called Harrison Sport. We don't include our wives on it because they're not interested. In fact, uh, when we get together and the two, three of us start talking about sport, you see the wise eyes going, oh, here we go again. And, but when in the, the World Cup, when we won the World Cup just a few weeks ago, a long time ago now, isn't it, when you just look at the cricket as it is at the moment, but the World Cup, in the 45 minutes in the, leading up to England winning it, when all, that, all it was going on, there were 45 messages going back and forth on our WhatsApp. We were just crazy about it. Well, the boys were. I actually didn't watch it because I was out. But the, I, I came back to the WhatsApp and there were all these conversations going on. And you can tell what people's priorities are. I have to say, we do also speak about God quite a lot as well. But what is important to you? Where, what do you really get excited about? The thing is, with our interests, we need to be excited about what God is doing in our lives, what he's doing in the world, the same way that I get excited about sports when I'm watching it and, and so on. And whatever you're interested in, we need to be excited. Even in this day and age, with what's going on politically, we can be excited by what God is doing. We really can be. That God is still at work and doing tremendous things. So we put God first in our finances, we put God first in our interests, 
but we also put God first in our relationships. Proverbs 12 verse 26 says, A righteous man is careful about his friendships. Now I do want to be careful here because quite clearly we need to have friends who aren't Christians. We are called to be witnesses. So we need to have not just acquaintances, but people who are friends outside of the church that we can be witnesses to, talking to. But the truth is, if we really want God first in our life, there are some relationships that may well be wrong for us, that may well be leading us astray, and we get together with these people, and we know that we're not honouring God by the way we live. And even dynamic Christians can get pulled away because of the wrong relationships they have. They get wooed away by a person that doesn't share their values. And the friends who we confide in and take advice from need to be chosen carefully. It's always easier to pull somebody down than it is to pull somebody up. So we need to make sure that even in our relationships, even in our friendships, we are putting God first. And then our schedule. We need to put God first in our time. The Bible says, make the most of your time. Grasp firmly what you know to be the will of God. So how do we do this? How do we put God first in our time? Well, just ask him to help help us to use our time wisely. We do not have time to do everything. Selection is the name of the game. How do we select? We ask God to help us. Because the fact is, for every single one of us, we have just enough time to do God's will. And if we find ourselves having more things to do than we have time to do, it quite probably means we're doing some things that aren't God's will for us. They may be good things, but they may not be right for us. God never puts more on us than he gives us the time to do. He doesn't ask us to do more than we have time to do. And when we start feeling frustrated and hassled and frazzled, there's a good chance it's because we're trying to do more than God wants us to do so that's important and it's important with our schedule to make time for God we can talk about quiet times or daily appointments with God it's good to do that if God is going to be first in our family in our life we need a daily time with God it doesn't matter when we do it but do it 10 minutes, 15 minutes we need a time to daily check in with God and say let's review my schedule, my goals, my priorities, what's really important, what you want me to do. And even Jesus felt the need for daily prayer and he spent time with prayer and he was able to say, I only do what I see God doing. I get on board with what he's doing. And if he needed to do it, we need to do it. A verse in Jeremiah says, my people have forgotten me for days on end. So try to make a time, a daily appointment with God. I do want to be careful here because I don't want to make people feel guilty because sometimes they miss it or they don't do it. Because that's not what God's about. It's about a relationship with God. It's not about fixed times or anything like that. But it's so important. And when we love someone, we want to spend time with them. And if we love God, we want to spend time with him. So make God first in your schedule and then in your troubles. All of us face unexpected problems and pressures. We have crises. What do we do? So often we try to sort it out, don't we? We're in a tight situation and we think, well, what can I do to sort this out? And we physically try to correct the problem and then we often say, 
Well, I guess now all we can do is pray. And I like it must be really hopeless. No prayer, talking to God, coming to God with our problems should not be our last resort. It should be the very first option we think about. That even in our troubles we put God first and say, God, I'm in this situation. What do you want me to do? How is this going to be sorted out? And God says he's an ever-present help, a refuge in time of need. And God is waiting for us, just wanting us to come to him. Psalm 50, verse 15 says, Call upon me in your day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honour me. God says, put me first, even in the troubled times, even in the tough times. Put God first. And this actually brings up an interesting point. How do we know when God's first in our life? How do we know? I think the answer is we stop worrying. Worry is the warning light that God is not first in our life at this particular moment. When we start worrying, it says... It's amazing, isn't it? (laughs) Worry is the warning light that God is not first. And, And what we're doing is... We're assuming responsibility. We're worrying about it and saying, what can I do? How can I sort this out? What? We're assuming responsibility he didn't, God didn't intend for us to have. You see, when God isn't first in any of these five areas, we begin to worry about it. When he's not first in our finances, we start worrying about it. We start thinking, well, where's the money going to come for this? How are we going to do that? We start worrying about it. When God is not first in our relationships, we worry about them. When God isn't first in our problems, our trials and troubles, we worry about them. When God isn't first place in our schedule, we worry about it. But when we hand it over to God, we do a priority check and say, Lord, take it. I want you to be first. You're number one. You handle it. You're in charge. We are able to take a deep breath and relax. Matthew 6 verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God, so put him first in every area of our life, and all these other things shall be added unto you. And Jesus said those words right in the middle of a sermon on worry. Seek first the kingdom of God. Putting God first in our lives is the antidote to worry. And if we want to build a successful and strong society, as well as in our own lives, we have got to put God first. Have no other gods before Yahweh, before God. Let's pray. And Maybe you're here this morning, you've never put God first. Never. But you want to start putting God first. All you need to do is pray a prayer. These words in your heart say them, Lord God, I'm sorry that you haven't been first in my life. Help me to put you first in my life. I thank you that you went to the cross for me. Thank you that you died for me. And help me to put you first in my life. All you need to do is say those words. There's nothing special about them, nothing magical. But all you need to do is just say, God, I want you to be first in my life. And if you want to say those words, if you have said those words, please come and speak to me. So, Father God, we thank you that you are trustworthy. 
We live in a world where so many people aren't trustworthy. We don't trust our politicians, but we know we can trust you. So help us all to put you first in every area of our lives. The five we've talked about and the others maybe. So that we have no other gods before you. That you are our God and you are first in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.